We are in a series called Celebrate. How many are glad we serve a God that lets us celebrate how good he is, the wonderful blessings. In fact, he told the Jewish people they could throw seven parties a year. I mean, come on, what kind of God is that? Seven parties a year to celebrate some wonderful truth about him. And that's why we're doing this series. We're looking back at the seven Jewish festivals that the Jewish people uh, uh, partake in every year, still do it to this day. And now we who are in Christ, we can look back at those same festivals and here's what we see. We see God teaching something about himself. We see Jesus being magnified. We see it pointing back to the Messiah, to Christ. And, And listen, so when we understand the principles behind this, we understand more about God. We understand that God wants us to celebrate but he wants us to celebrate these incredible truths uh, about himself. And so today we're jumping in on Passover. Everybody just shout Passover because you can't sing about Egypt and not talk about the Passover. Amen. So we're going to have a good time in this today. Question. How many of you, uh, when I, when you hear someone like me or anyone quote a verse like this, like Romans three, that says, um, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What do you think about? When you hear someone quote Romans chapter 6, that the wages of sin is death. And if I just stop right there, what comes to mind? Or if I quote to you Isaiah 59 verse 2, that says, your sins have separated you from God, and his ear will not now hear your prayer. How does it make you feel? How many of you would ever say, and online campus, you tune in on this too, because I, I believe that we're all going to feel familiarity to this. When you hear verses like that, how many of you feel an intense awareness of your own sinfulness, uh, of your own guilt? And, and by the way, when you talk about guilt and, and we all, listen, no one has to tell us that we're sinners, Right? We know we've all sinned. We're, we're sinners by birth. Did you know that? We're sinners by birth. Just, if you don't agree with that, just think about this. You never have to tell a two-year-old to steal or lie. It just kind of comes natural. Come on, somebody. Look to your neighbor and tell him. He knows your story right there. All right, we're all in this together. We've all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. Come on, amen? Now watch this, watch this, watch this. If we're not careful, Knowing that we're all sinners, we can develop this whole idea, this whole belief system that we can never truly have a relationship with God, that we're never going to be able to truly know God or have a relationship with God. In fact, in fact, in fact, how many of you have ever struggled wondering what it would take for you to truly feel like your conscience could be clear and that you could have an honest, real relationship with the God of heaven? Have you ever questioned if you've got enough, if you can do enough, if you can be enough? That is what all of us struggle with. Everyone struggles with that because sin nature, the sin nature bogs us down with sin and guilt and shame. And here's the truth of the matter. Are we all sinners who've fallen short of the glory of God? The answer is, you better believe it. We are. And so God did something 3,500 years ago with the people of Israel He did something that was so powerful that it would actually point from one Passover to a future Passover that we're going to see today. And God did something so amazing on this moment that watch this, watch this, watch this. God told Moses that they were to celebrate this Passover, this celebration every single year from now till Christ returns. 
And it's something that you and I need to grab a hold of this morning. In fact, on, uh, in, uh, the Bible is telling us that this is actually the first of the seven festivals that we are celebrating. Why, why, why is it the first of seven? Because if you go to the other six and learn the truths there and celebrate those festivals and you miss this one, you missed it all. This is the one that you got to capture that makes sense out of all the rest. This Passover celebration. Because here's what I want you to know. Here's what you're going to learn today. You ready for this? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But that's not the end of the story. Look on the screen. Look at what comes next. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Read with me, congregation. Ready? They are justified how? Freely by his grace. Does that mean you're, you're saved? You're, you're justified freely by church attendance? How much money you put in the offering plate? How many times you've been baptized? How many scriptures you've, you've memorized? No, nope, let's read it again. They're justified how? Freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. You remember that other verse I quoted, Romans, uh, Romans chapter 6, that says the wages of sin is death. Everybody shout the very next word out loud. Ready, go. Come on, online campus. Type it in the comments. Say it again. But the gift, there it is, of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. By the way, what do you do with a gift? You can't buy it. You can't earn it or it's no longer a gift. There's only one thing you can do if somebody wants to give you a gift. You have to receive it. You remember that Isaiah passage that says your sins have separated you from God? I'm so thankful that's not the whole story. I'm thankful for Isaiah 59.1. Read this out loud with me. Ready to go. Indeed, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save and his ear is not too deaf to hear. So God took this one event in Israel's history called Passover to teach the people that there is a way. And we're going to see it today that Jesus is the fulfillment of this and that there is a way. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Listen to me. There is a way for those of you who can't get over your past and your past is crippling your present and crippling your future that you can have your sins forgiven. Here's what you're going to learn today. There is a way in God through his son Jesus that you can let your conscience be cleaned. And watch this, watch this. Somebody ain't even going to believe this is true. I'm telling you, it's right here in the Bible. You can have a personal relationship with the God of heaven. And the shadow of all of that is taught all the way back 3,500 years ago in this festival called Passover. Look at Leviticus uh, 24 there. Look at, uh, or listen to me as I read it to you. Leviticus 23 says this, these are the Lord's appointed times, the sacred assemblies. You are to proclaim that their appointed times of Passover of the Lord comes in the first month. Everybody shout the first month. At twilight on the day of the month. What is this Passover? Why is it so important for us? How is it going to teach us that we can have our sins forgiven, guilt cleansed, uh, consciences cleaned, and we can have a walk with God? Well, here's how it actually happened with the Hebrew people, and it's a shadow of what God does for us spiritually. Under Joseph, 
the son of Jacob, who uh, became his 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel and then became the nation of Israel. There was a time when there was a great famine in the Middle East and Joseph's uh, brought Jacob and his father and all his brothers and their family to Egypt because God had risen him up in Egypt and there he protected them during the seven years of famine. Now the Jewish people who lived in Egypt uh, as a refuge from the famine, they obeyed scripture where God said, be fruitful and multiply. They had babies. They had lots of babies while they were in Egypt. And Joseph died and Pharaoh died and a new Pharaoh came to being. And the Bible says that this Pharaoh looked out and saw all these offspring being born in the Hebrews and he became afraid. And he began to fear that one day the Jewish people would overpopulate the Egyptian people. And so here's what the Bible says he chose to do. He enslaved the people of God and so he could control the people of God. And he brought them under bondage. The, the Jewish people were enslaved to Egypt for 430 years. And then God raised up a man named Moses. Everybody shout Moses. And Moses went to Pharaoh and said, God said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no. In fact, he said no 10 times. And every time he said no, he would go punish the Hebrews because God wanted them free. And every time he'd punish the Hebrews, God would send a plague down on Egypt. God was breaking their heart and saying, I'm not going to let you keep mistreating my people. I'm going to set my people free. Eventually it came to the 10th plague. And here's how it happened. God said this to Moses and he told the Jewish people to do something that sounds really strange. He told Moses to go tell the Israelites. He said, here's what I want you to do. In four days, I'm coming. And I'm going to sweep into the land of Egypt and I'm going to pass judgment on every house where there's a firstborn child. I'm going to break Egypt's heart so they let my people go. He said, but here's what I need the, the Jewish people to do. I want you to go find a little lamb of one year old, pure and spotless without fault. And I want you to bring that little lamb into your house for four days. I want you to treat that little lamb as a pet for four days. And on the fourth day, you're going to kill the lamb and take its life. You're going to roast that lamb and you're going to eat that lamb with bitter herbs around your table. And you're going to look at your neighbor. And if your neighbor's too poor to have a lamb for their own, you're going to share your lamb with your neighbor. And then you're going to take a little bit of the blood of that little lamb and you're going to go outside and you're going to paint the doorpost of your house with the blood of that little lamb. Watch what's happening here. And God said on that night, on that fourth night, I'm going to come through and I'm going to pass judgment on Egypt because they won't let my people go. And I'm going to break the heart of Egypt so they let you go. I'm going to sweep through and I'm going to strike every home of the firstborn except where I see the blood of the lamb on the door. And here's where the name comes from. God said, wherever I see the blood of the lamb over the door, I and my judgment will pass over that house. And that house won't be judged. All because of the blood of the lamb. Are you catching on to anything here, folks? Yeah. That's the Passover. Passover. 
God did. The blood of the lamb was applied, and everywhere where the blood was applied, God's judgment passed over. And from that night forward, the Jewish people celebrate Passover, and they remember what God did that night. And it was a type and a shadow of something you and I look back 2,000 years ago, and we see happen with Jesus Christ. And I'm going to show that to you here in just a moment. But you need to see this. You need to see that God brought this Passover. And just before the Passover, God gave four promises to the Hebrew people as they celebrated Passover. Four I will promises. And I want you to look at it there on your message notes. At the top of your message notes, you find Exodus chapter 6. Verses six and seven, take your pen and we're going to circle the I will promises of God here. Here's what the Hebrew people to this day celebrate when they celebrate Passover. Here's what God said. Therefore, tell the Israelites, I am the Lord. Here's your first one. Circle this. I will bring you out. I will bring you out of the forced labor of the Egyptians Then notice this one and circle this phrase. He says, and I will rescue you. I'll rescue you from slavery to them. Here's the third I will. Circle it. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and a great act of judgment. And here's the fourth one. God said, I will take you as my people and you will be my God and I will be your God. You will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from the forced labor of the Egyptians. And so here's what you and I are told to do. Here's what the Jewish people have been doing now 3,500 years plus. Here's what you and I should do when we look back and see Jesus in this table. You and I need to celebrate today that God has an offer for you on this table. And it's found in these four cups because the Jewish people took those four I will promises of God and when they celebrate Passover, they don't have one cup of wine, they have four. And the first one is this, write it down, it's the cup of sanctification. Now I know sanctification is a big fancy word that most people don't use in today's uh, vocabulary, but here's what it simply means. It means I will set you apart. Here's what God said to them. Look at it again. Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. He says, I'll bring you out. Everybody shout that with me out loud. Ready? Online campus, write it in the notes. I will bring you out. What was he saying to the Hebrew people? He's saying, I know you're in bondage to Egypt, and I'm about to bring you out of that. What do you think God's trying to tell you? What is God saying to us today if we look back and see Jesus as a fulfillment of this? Remember when I started this morning, we all made one common uh, agreement, right? We all have sinned and the guilt of that sin can hold us back. Amen? You know what God is telling us through Christ Jesus? Listen to me. Is that he has a way to bring us out from the bondage of our sin. He has a way of bringing us out from the guilt that's holding us back. If your past is keeping you from living in the present and hindering your walk with God in the future, you need to understand, God said, I have come, I sent his son. God sent his son to bring you out from that bondage. 
God wants to break the bondage of these generational curses in our lives where we just keep making the same old bad choices because we want to satisfy the flesh and and never satisfies the soul. God says, I want to bring you out from all the bondage that's holding you down and keeping you from being able to celebrate and enjoy my love for you. And we've all sinned and that sin separates us from God and God wants to set us free from that. And here's what the Jewish people had to do. The Jewish people were told, if you're going to get set free, you've got to go choose a lamb for yourself. And they had to bring that lamb inside their home for four days. Why do you think God told them to keep a lamb in the house for four days? What's going to happen when you've got to go sacrifice that lamb after you've been pet and Fido for four days? How many know some kid in the house is going to get upset? Some adult going to get upset, right? And God knew that. That's why he had him to do it. Because you got to understand something. Payment for your sin comes at a cost. And it's got to touch your heart. It's got to get personal. That's what we've missed so much in the preaching of Christianity is people just pray a simple prayer, but they never have a heart change. And they believe that that's all they needed was to pray a little prayer. And then they wonder why they can't get over their guilt and why they still feel disconnected to God. It's because it never traveled from the head and got to the heart. You've got to choose a lamb. You've got to bring in a lamb. And, and, and by the way, and you've got to receive the lamb into your home. You've got, you got to cuddle. You've got to caress. You've got to receive that lamb. Here's the problem. If you and I are going to go try to find a lamb that can take away our sin, how many know that we're going to have a hard time finding one pure enough? You're not going to find one. So you know what God did for you 2,000 years ago through Jesus Christ? You know the reason why I'm preaching on an ancient act of Passover to you? Why in the world would I be preaching this to you? It's because I need you to know that 2,000 years ago, standing on the River Jordan, John the Baptist looked up and saw Jesus. And look on your message notes and quote with me out loud. Online too, what did John say about Jesus? He said the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, read it with me, go, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I can't find a lamb good enough for me, nor can you. So God said, I'll send the lamb myself. Look at the next verse there. Look with me at 1 Corinthians 5, 7. For Christ, our Passover lamb, read with me. What has he done? He's been sacrificed for me, for you. In uh, Luke chapter 4, you have the very first sermon Jesus ever preached in a synagogue. And here, this is after uh, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. This is what John or Jesus preached when he came back from the desert. He preached these words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news. Somebody shout good news, good news. to the poor. Now, here's the thing. It's not good news until you've heard the bad news. But once you know the bad news, the good news sounds good. Bad news. We've all sinned, come short of the glory of God. Bad news. Our sin, the wages of sin is death. Bad news. Our sins separate us from God. Good news. God sent a lamb to cleanse us and to set us apart from the bondage of our sin. 
Somebody shout the name of Jesus. Jesus said, I am that lamb. That's what he was preaching that day. He said, I am that lamb. I've come to set the oppressed free. I've come to open the blinded eyes. I've come in the year of the Lord's favor, he said. John said he's the lamb of God. Paul said he's the lamb of God. Jesus said he was the lamb of God. Come to take away our sin. First cup. And listen, this is so amazing. The Jews have been drinking out of this cup for thousands of years. And never seeing Jesus in it, but Jesus is the reason. He sets us apart because he is the lamb, the Passover lamb. If he's applied to you, the judgment of God passes over you. That's why you come to the second cup, because that's what you see here. It's the cup of deliverance. In the cup of deliverance, the Jewish people actually don't drink out of this cup. They dip their finger in this cup. And then they go over their plate and they drop 10 drops of wine on the plate. Why do you think 10 drops? 10 plagues. And the drops of wine on the plate symbolize that God said, I will rescue you. How did God rescue the people from their bondage? He brought plagues on Egypt. How does God set you free from your sin? How does he clean your conscience? How does he restore a relationship with you and the Father? Is it anything you can do to pay? Can you punish your body? Can you fast long enough for God to redeem you? Can you go to church enough? Can you... Pay enough tithes? Can you memorize enough scripture? Can you do anything to earn God's right to have your sins forgiven? The answer is no. Jesus took your wrath for you. Look at Colossians chapter 2 on your message notes. Verse 13 and 14, you were dead because of your sins. Here's the bad news. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Now it's time for some good news. Shout yes, please. Then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all of our sins. When? When did he do this? Look at it. He canceled the record of the charges against us and he took it away. Where did Jesus take your sin list? He nailed it to the cross. Here's what you need to understand. This is what the second cup tells us, is that sin must be judged. With Egypt, it was plagues. With our sin, it's death. And Jesus took your wrath upon his own body and he nailed it to the cross. Listen to me. Every one of us have a list of sins, past, present, and future. All our sins from, uh, from time past to time future. All our sins. God knows the capability of all our sins. And here's what happened for every generation when Jesus was on that cross. Listen, our sin list that brings judgment and condemnation and guilt on our lives that we carry, that we weigh and we wonder, can God love me? Can God forgive me? Can I have a relationship with God? I've got, my, I've got such a huge list. Here's what you need to do. You need to come today to the second cup of the table and you need to remember that God won't ask you to pay for your own sin debt. He's paid it for you already. 
He took your list and he nailed it to Jesus' cross. And when the blood of Jesus poured out of his body, it covered your list. Just like the blood covered the door of the Jewish house. And let me tell you, you're not ready to truly be set free until you can come and remember what he done for you. And when you remember what he's done for you, it's a whole lot easier to accept by grace and faith what he did for you and say, yes, Jesus, I surrender all. You can't earn the salvation. You have to receive it. And how do you receive it? Sometimes for us to truly celebrate what God has done, we need to stop and remember what Jesus went through. He went through a cross so you wouldn't have to. Have you ever heard someone say, Jesus paid the debt you owed? This is what they were referring to. Sin has to be judged. And God took the judgment that you had upon you and he put it upon his son. That's a good place right there for us just to lift a hand and say, thank you, Jesus, what you did. Amen. On the cross... Thank God for the cross of Jesus and what the Lord Jesus did for us. By the way, if you're wondering why the crosses lay on their side at the entryway of our property, if you think that's disrespectful, it's because you don't understand what they stand for. That is a theological statement that when a cross is leaning, meaning that what Jesus did on the cross, he did, it's done, and he'll never be crucified again. The job's been done. That's why it's laying over. Hallelujah for the cross. Thank God for the blood of the lamb. Then you're ready for the third cup. The cup of redemption. It's at this cup that we celebrate at communion. This is the cup we recognize most of the time in a Christian church when we're taking communion. Even though the Jewish people had four cups, we only pay attention really. We only focus most of the time on one, but we need to know all four. Amen. But this, the reason we take this third cup is because this is a cup Jesus took up when we read about him in the Gospel of Luke. It's after supper. The first two cups were before supper. The second two was after supper. And after supper in Luke 22, here's what you read. Look at the message notes. And he took the bread and he broke it. Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body being broken for you. And then he divided it up and he passed it among them. He said, eat this bread. This is my body. Then Jesus took the cup and he said, and drink this cup. This cup is my blood of a new covenant I make with you. And when he said that new covenant piece, Everyone around the table knew exactly what he was referring to because they were all Jewish. They'd heard this their whole lives, that one day the Messiah would come and he would fulfill the words of Jeremiah chapter 31. And now Jesus is at the table and he's saying, you know the prophet Jeremiah, what he said, I'm the one. I'm the lamb who's going to set you free. I'm the one who's going to cleanse your conscience. I'm the one going to take your punishment. And look at Jeremiah 31 and see what he was saying. Here's what he was saying. He fulfilled God uh, 700 years or so to Jeremiah before Christ said these words. Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration when I'll make a new covenant. Everybody shout new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. 
This one will not, watch this, be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. When was that? When did he take them by the hand and lead them out of Egypt? The first Passover. So God says that one was the first time, but this one will be different. Why? My covenant they broke even though I'm their master, the Lord's declaration. How many know that uh, they broke the covenant of the Lord and how many of us have as well? We've all sinned. Notice what he says. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, the Lord's declaration. Read with me now, please. I will put my teaching within them. It's the first time he's talked about it like this. My word's going to be inside of them, and, and I will write it on their, not their heads, on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they'll be my people. Look at the next verse. And no longer will one teach his neighbor or brother, saying, know the Lord. Why? Because now the Holy Spirit will be inside you, and you will know that you're saved. He will write his word on your heart, and they will know me from the least to the greatest. This is the Lord's declaration. Read with me. For I will forgive their iniquity and never again. Say those two words again. Never, one more time, online campus, type them in the comment sections one more time. Never again remember their sin. Now that's a good point to get Baptocostal right there and shout, thank you, Jesus. Amen. What does God promise? God says, I'm going to make a new covenant with my people one of these days. It won't be like the first Passover. This will be a second Passover. And this time around, I'm, I'm not going to just give them a bunch of rules to live out. I'm going to actually come and move on the inside of them. And I'm going to write my word inside their heart. And I'm going to put my spirit inside of them. And they're going to be mine. They won't even have to ask nobody if they're mine. I'm going to put my spirit in them. They're going to know they are mine. And, and, and I'm not going to remember their sin anymore. Praise the name of of Jesus at that table. Jesus held up that third cup and Jesus said, this is the new covenant. My blood. How many of you like to know that your sins are forgiven? How many like to have a clean conscience today from God? And you know, the battle there is not get, allowing God to forgive your sins. Watch this, watch this, watch this. The big problem is going to be you're going to have to be able to forgive yourself. You're going to have a harder time forgiving yourself than God will have forgiven you. And so you need to know this truth. When God says, I forgive you, he doesn't bring it back up. The devil will. The devil will bring it up next week. Yep, yep, yep. yep. You're going to get saved. You're going to get baptized. And then the next week, God's going to say, uh, the devil's going to say, are you really? You remember what you did last month? You remember that lust you felt yesterday? You, you remember that temptation? You remember how you acted in traffic? Come on now. Everybody saw it. <laughs> you with me? Yeah, self-reflection. Yeah. Hey, I'm authentic up here. I confess daily every time I drive. Here we go. <laughs> we will be reminded of our sin, but God will forgive it. You confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive it. He doesn't bring it up against you no more. The devil brings it up, not God. You with me? But here's something I got to tell every one of you in this room and watching online. 
Your sin debt is already paid for. Some of you have been working to receive your salvation. You've been trying your best to live holy enough that maybe when you die, God will let you in. You, you are trusting that you're a good person. Well, I don't know if I'm going to heaven or not, but I'm a good person. Maybe he'll let me in. We're all sinners. We all have a list, and there's nothing you can do to clean yourself up enough. I heard about a woman who wanted to go on a mission field. She was so convicted with guilt. She thought if she lived as a missionary, she would, uh, she'd earn God's grace. And she, she went in there. She said, I'm going to help. I'm going to help these poor people in this village clean their houses. And she went in this one person's house and she took her scrub brush and her, her bucket of soap. And she started scrubbing the floor. The problem was the more she scrubbed the floor, the muddier the floor got. And she just couldn't understand. She'd scrub some more, got more muddy. Scrub some more, get more muddy. Finally, the owner of the house said, you're not going to clean that floor. She said, I got to get the dirt out of this floor. She said, you can't get the dirt out of the floor. She said, why? She said, it's a dirt floor. <laughs> and that's what many of us do with our sins. We think we can clean ourselves up. I've had people tell me, Pastor, when I get my life in order, I'll be saved. And some of you have been fighting and wrestling with God for years. You've been a miserable person sitting in a church pew trying to earn your way to receive God's grace and forgiveness. And I need to tell you that for 3,500 years, God's been preaching the same message that there's only one way for you to get set apart from the guilt of your sin and your shame and your past. And that's to get the blood of the Lamb of God applied over the door. And you're not the Lamb. You need to remember today what Jesus has done for you on the cross and how he paid your sin debt. You need to know that he said, I will redeem you. The word redemption means I will buy you back. Sin distorted you. God will restore you. God will buy you back. He will bring you out of sin and make you his own. But here's what you got to understand. Your debt's already paid for. If it's not applied to your account, it's because you haven't received it. And you have to receive it for it to be applied to your account. What do you do with a gift? You receive it. If you come to Jesus and you say, Lord, I'm, I'm trying to clean myself up so I'll be worthy of your salvation. Jesus will look at you and say, you going to try to buy your salvation? Yes, Lord, I'm, I'm trying to earn my salvation. Jesus is going to say, it's not for sale. I already paid for it a long time ago. And you're going to have to come to the Lord and say, okay, Lord. And listen, you think this is easy? This is the hardest thing most of you will ever do in your life is to accept by faith the grace of God for salvation. We are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's a surrender. I want you to write this down. God has chosen it this way. Because you remember how that little lamb had to come in the house for four days? You've got to personally choose to trust and receive Christ as your Lord or not. That was the picture God was painting it's got to become a personal choice for you to receive Jesus. Are you listening to me online campus? Receive or reject Jesus. It's a personal choice. Have you received the Lord's salvation? Have you received it? You may say, Pastor, if I believe this grace stuff, then I'll go sin all I want to. 
Friend, you're going to sin all you want to already. Even those of you trying to work at your, for your salvation, you still sin, don't you? Yeah. Let me tell you something about want-tos. If you're truly saved, if you truly receive the blood of Jesus, if you truly remember what he did to save you and set you free, if you truly come to Christ and receive his sacrifice, it'll change your want-to. You won't want to sin no more because you don't want to sin against somebody who would do this for you. And when you do sin, it'll break your heart and he'll convict you by the power of the Holy Spirit and bring you to your knees. If you can keep on sinning after you've been saved and not feel convicted over it, maybe you didn't get saved. The Holy Spirit's going to do a work upon your heart and you got to choose him. And then, listen, for those of you who are saved and you know you are, did you, did you pick out what they were to do next with that lamb? Not only did they have to eat and receive the lamb, Jesus said, by the way, you got to eat my flesh, and people really struggle with that. Uh, some people think he's talking about communion there. He wasn't. He's talking about you got to receive him personally for yourself. And, and you know what? <clears throat> it's not just for you. If you're saved today, shout Amen then can I tell you, you still got a job to do. You say, oh, well, I'm just waiting to go to heaven. I'm saved. Nope. You got a job to do. What did God tell Moses to tell the people to do? To look at their neighbor. And if their neighbor didn't have the lamb, what were they to do with their lamb? They were to share the lamb with a neighbor who didn't have any. How many know there are people all over our world and our community right now who still don't have the Lord Jesus as their Lord and Savior? What are you and I who are saved supposed to do? We're supposed to share the good news of Jesus with those who have yet to receive the lamb. And we can do that through preaching. We can do it by inviting them to this awesome 1130 service because y'all know y'all are the cool people, right? We didn't offer ice cream to any of the other services all summer, just y'all. But you know what else you need to do? You need to go show people your love. I'm going to invite my friend Chad to come. I'm so excited. i got a couple partnerships here that we're going to share with you today before we take communion. And one of them here is Chad in this awesome ministry that he's a part of. And that now that he's coming to Connection Point, he wants us to be a partner together. It's going to be such a great opportunity for so many of you to go show the love of Jesus with someone else. Would you make Chad feel welcome this morning? Come on, church. Again, my name's Chad. Uh, this will be the third time I've said this now. If I'm going to be up on the stage with Pastor Chris, I'm going to have to get back in the gym, I guess. So, <clears throat> so I'm, a, I'm a Connection Point partner. Uh, my wife and I joined here uh, uh, about eight months ago. Uh, I'm also a volunteer with the Lyft Crisis Response Team, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that this morning. Uh, so I have the privilege to talk with quite a few churches and organizations about our Lyft team. Um, it is not something that I particularly enjoy, and it's certainly not anything that I'm good at. So bear with me as I stumble through this. Thankfully for me, I only have two and a half minutes to talk to you this morning. And thankfully for you, you have an opportunity to read all about Lyft with one of the handouts. If you didn't get one uh, when you came in, uh, please grab one on your way out. It, it tells our whole story. So Lyft is, a, is an all-volunteer service group. Uh, we're comprised of people from about a dozen, I'm sorry, about a half dozen local churches, uh, multiple denominations. Uh, our volunteers are, are multi-generational. Our youngest volunteer is 13, and our oldest is 80 years young. 
we exist to share God's love and to do our part to lead the lost to Christ. That is a, a very simple mission statement that we have. And we believe that by meeting physical needs, um, we can then address spiritual needs within our communities. And we believe that we do all of these things to build the kingdom of God. So our team formed in uh, 2019 uh, with a real focus on disaster response, and we wanted to be uh, ready for a local disaster event. And this still remains a pretty big priority for us. So we've been uh, blessed with opportunities uh, to help folks and to work uh, after tornadoes in Glen Allen and St. Mary's, uh, Dexter. Uh, we have uh, helped some folks down uh, in the southeastern part of the U.S. after some hurricanes. Uh, we've built some wonderful relationships uh, after 16 trips down to Puerto Rico over the last five years, and we continue that mission. And uh, we also just began a new service opportunity uh, down at the El Villaggio Retired Missionary Community in Florida. Uh, in addition to this disaster response mission, we also partner with uh, Care Portal. Uh, if you have not heard of Care Portal, they're a wonderful organization that provides the technology that connects local churches with local needs. And uh, through that technology, uh, we've been able to partner and facilitate some projects like uh, putting new roofs on houses for families in need. We just did one a couple weeks ago over in uh, South Cape. Uh, delivering furniture to families uh, and a, a really, really neat deal of uh, a quarterly food outreach event that you're going to hear a little bit more about in a few minutes. Uh, we talk a lot about meeting people where they are in life, and this Lyft crisis team gives us a perfect opportunity to do that. Uh, we get to get in front of people uh, and address, for a lot of them, a very, very dark time of their life. We get to be there and walk along beside them. So everything that we do is done in the hopes of moving people one step closer to Jesus. And everything we do, uh, we do because Jesus first loved us, and we were commanded to go love our neighbors. Uh, we don't get to heaven through these good works, and we know that, but we do our good works because we're going to heaven. And uh, we are so thankful for that. So each tarp that we put on a roof, each home repair project uh, that we go do, each box of food that we deliver, it's an opportunity to build a relationship uh, with people. Uh, I've been blessed since uh, my family and I have joined here to, to get connected through a variety of ways here. Uh, I, I grow uh, every time that, I, that I'm able to worship, uh, that I open my Bible, I grow as a disciple. Uh, this is an opportunity for me to go and be able to help people both here in our community and abroad. Uh, so we're excited to serve alongside you. You're going to hear more about an opportunity where you can join and serve with us. Uh, we just ask that you pray for these families uh, that we're going to serve and pray where, uh, where you're led to be a part of our team. Yep. My name is Darren. I'm pastor of the digital media aspect of what we do here, but also oversee all of our outreach. And man, we are so excited to be adding Chad and his lift ministry here. It's going to be something amazing. It's going to give you guys an opportunity to serve, not just locally, but also throughout the state, throughout the region, and even into the outer parts of different nations and things. The cool thing is coming up on November 11th, we'll have your first opportunity to, to partner with us as we, as we come together with Lyft and we try to serve over 500 
hundred families food in this region. It's going to be an awesome weekend, and it's really simple. Go to yourcpc.church/events. Just find the Lip Outreach event, and you can sign up right there. We need over 120 of you. We got to feed. We're going to help feed over 500 people coming up in November. There's more details on the website. Go to yourcpc.church/events for all those details. Also. Chad and the guys will be out by the outreach banner. If you guys want to meet them and greet them and ask them any more questions, they'll be right outside that door to the right. Come on, let's thank God for what he's doing. This is amazing. You know, we're already so involved in our community, summer serve projects, in the schools, and then uh, stuff we've done with like Hope International. But now to have this opportunity with Lyft that has so many outreach opportunities, it's absolutely incredible. I'm amazed at what God is up to. Just watching God work, and I'm like, God, just don't let us mess this up. Let's just go do something great for the kingdom. Amen? Uh, another uh, individual I want to welcome up here right now, his name is Mike, and I want you to give him a big CPC welcome. Mike's going to come and share with you about uh, something that was introduced to me a few weeks ago by them and left me speechless. And those of you who know me, it takes a lot to make me speechless, right? You're going to understand why now. It, would you please welcome Mike? Thank you, brother. Again, I'm Mike. I'm from Cottage of Grace General Baptist Church over in Bullinger County. We built a church on the hillside and saw it with children, saw it with people, and a vision. And it's just wonderful to see what God had done with that church and with our board of directors. And now it's time for us to welcome Connection Point to Bullinger County. Our board of directors are turning over the deed and the keys to the church. It's all property, the building, it's all been paid for. And we're turning it over to Connection Point and we welcome Connection Point to Bullinger County because we need it. Come on, somebody give him a big shout. You can believe what God is up to, right? <laughs> Now you know why I've been speechless for the last few weeks. They called and, and shared their heart with us and said, we need Connection Point Church in Bollinger County. We need, and if you will plant a campus here, we'll donate you 10 acres and a 5,500 square foot building, all of it debt free, just for us to come alongside and plant a campus in, in the Bollinger County area. And listen, I want to honor this board of directors because you're seeing churches all the time that when their life cycle is done, they're just, they're just closing up. I want to honor them today for doing what I wish many more would do, and that is to reach out and to bring in life-giving churches and start those communities back over again right there where people can hear the gospel and connect, grow, and go in Jesus' name. Amen. So can we honor them today for making such a huge commitment to Connection Point Church? We're having a heart for the kingdom. Amen? We've said for years, we just want God to position us so he does something that only he gets the credit for. Amen? 
And I promise you this, God's not given us this opportunity, whether it be through Lyft or Bollinger County, just for us to talk about us. This isn't about us at all. This is about us taking the message we're talking about today that, that you can be set free from the bondage of sin and guilt and shame because God sent a lamb and his name is Jesus. He paid your sin debt for you because you can't earn it. He restores a relationship between you and the Father. He's the mediator of the new covenant, meaning he stands in the middle. He takes the holy God and you, and he cleanses you with his blood. He forgives you. And then Jesus takes the hand of the Father in your hand, and he brings you together. But you gotta receive this gift. And if you receive this gift, you need to know the fourth cup of Passover. And the fourth cup is this. It's called the cup of praise and acceptance. It's the cup of Hallel, the cup of praise. When the Jewish people finish the Passover meal, the final thing they do is with this cup, they make a toast to the Lord and they sing the Hallel Psalms. In your Bible, it's Psalms 113 through 118. And Psalm 118 is the crown Hallel or Hallelujah Psalm. I want you to stand with me as I'm going to read to you four verses of Psalm 118. You're going to hear a tagline on every one of them, and I want you to say that with me. Online campus, put it in the comments. The tagline goes like this. His faithful love endures forever. Say that with me. His faithful love endures forever. We're ready to do this together. Amen. Here's, here's what Jesus and his disciples sang. Now, last week, David Brickner sang to you in Hebrew. I will not. You don't need it in Kentucky slang. We're going to say it together, okay? Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let Israel say, his faithful love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his faithful love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his faithful love endures. And we say amen to that. You see, here's the big takeaway. Here's what all of this, if you put all this together in one sentence, what, what is God telling us today? He's saying that if you're in Christ, you have a right to celebrate. And here's what you celebrate. You celebrate that God has given you a fresh start. At the end, uh, at the first Passover in Exodus chapter 12, here's what God said to Moses. He said, this day, listen, we know when Passover is, right? It's when we celebrate Easter. It's usually somewhere in March or April. Well, that's not the first month of the year, correct. But this moment, this truth is so important that to the Jewish people, God said in Exodus chapter 12, this day will become the first day, the first month, or the first month of the new year for you. And God actually changed the Jewish calendar. 
to fit Passover and said, this is the first month. What was God trying to tell us? That when you get this message of how God through his son can forgive your sin, cleanse you of your guilt, and restore you to God, this is the first day of a new life for you. For in Christ, the old is gone and everything becomes brand new. How many of you would like to have a brand new day with Jesus?